Thank you for choosing the podcast of East Haven Baptist Church in Brookhaven, Mississippi. For more information on the ministries of East Haven and to access videos and sermon notes from our services, visit www.easthaven.net. We are helpless people. In fact, all throughout the Psalms, you read the psalmist saying time and time again, God, I am needy and I am oppressed. I'm needy. I'm oppressed, God. I need you to work in my life because I am helpless. But we live in a culture that prides itself in pulling yourselves up by your bootstraps. We live in a culture that says with enough grit, spit, and duct tape, anything's possible. God says, without the power of God the Holy Spirit, without the Lord Jesus Christ abiding in you as you abide in him, nothing is possible. Now, I have a PhD in pride. If you didn't know, and I just want you to know, I'm proud of that. And pride is a sneaky monkey. And we're going to look at a parable today in Luke 18 in which Jesus speaks of two men who go to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee, one a tax collector. It's in Luke 18, verses 9 through 14. And in this parable, Jesus sets up a contrast of true humility and honest-to-God pride. And the thing about pride is that if you struggle with it until God the Holy Spirit enlightens your heart and your mind, you never know that you struggle with pride. Dr. Adrian Rogers would say that some people could strut sitting down. If we're honest, we all can. We all can. Pride says our way is best and we know it all. Pride says that I never do any wrong. Pride says that I'm better than, I can do better than, my situation is better than, and God says no. God says no. This parable in Luke 18 is told in the context of Jesus' teaching on prayer. In the first part of Luke 18, he tells us that prayer is to be persistent and consistent. In this portion of Luke 18, he tells us that prayer is to be motivated and based in humility. Oh God, that we would realize our helplessness. If you have your Bibles, Luke 18 beginning in verse 9, Luke is writing this, and he says, he also told this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and looked down on everyone else. Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee was standing and praying like this about himself. By the way, don't, don't go pray like this. This is a bad prayer. But listen to what he prays. Listen to his unmitigated goal. God, I thank you that I am not like other people, 
greedy, unrighteous, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I give a tenth of everything I get. But the tax collector, Jesus says, standing far off, would not even raise his eyes to heaven, but he kept striking his chest and saying, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. I tell you, Jesus says, this one went down to his house justified rather, uh, rather than the other because everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but the one who humbles himself will be exalted. To walk in pride is to be condemned. To walk in pride is to be condemned. The thing about pride is that when you have a life characterized by pride and arrogance, you don't realize that you are in the same boat as everybody else. Look back at verse 9. He also told this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous, and he looked down on everyone else. Literally in the Greek, and, and I never bring up the Greek unless it's important. This is important. Luke is saying here, literally in the Greek, to the one who has and continues to put trust in himself that he is righteous. To the one whose lifestyle is that of pride and arrogance, to the one whose lifestyle is one of I'm better than you, look at all that I can do, look at, look at my education, look at my abilities, look at all that I do and be impressed. To the one that does just that, is who the parable is for. And it says, two men went to the temple to pray. One a Pharisee, one a tax collector. The Pharisee had a resume to be envied. He was it. He was the bee's knees. He had the education. He had the status. He had the prestige. He had a very comfortable position. The Pharisee was the one that the mother would look at her young son and say, now, son, if you're really good and if you study really hard, you can grow up one day to be just like him. And the other is a tax collector. He's a traitor. He's a thief. He is detested. Nobody wants anything to do with him. And Jesus sets up a parable between these two. The audience is shocked at this, I guarantee you. But then he goes on and he says, God, I thank you that I'm not like other people. The man is blinded by pride. God, I thank you that I'm not like other people. You know, I don't cheat. I don't, you know, steal from people. I've not had an affair and committed adultery. God, I haven't done all these other things. Now, these people, God, now, oh, God, these people, oh, they've done that. And, God, I'm not them. In fact, God, to prove to you that I'm not them, I give a tenth, the Bible says, of this tax collector. I give a tenth of all that I get, and I fast twice a week. Let me tell you something. God cares more about your being than he does your doing. 
God cares more about your being in his presence and being transformed through the indwelling presence of God the Holy Spirit than he does about your doing for him. Now, understand, we're all called to serve God. So if you're thinking, well, Brother Craig just said I don't have to serve in the local church. Oh, no, I didn't. If you're following Jesus, service is going to uh, overflow from that. But understand this, Jesus wants you in his presence, being transformed by him, walking with him, being molded and shaped and transformed by his unending power. The truth of the matter is we get so busy that we often equate doing with being, and God never has done that. We get tired a lot of times, and we say, oh, God, I've just been, been doing so much for you that we forget to be. This Pharisee, I'm sure at some point, started out with a true passion for God and the things of God. But finally, at some point, something happened. There was a pivot, and now he's saying, God, look at me. And what does it get him? It ends up getting him condemned because who does he compare himself to? Look back at the text. He says, God, I thank you that I'm not like the greedy, unrighteous adulterers or even like this tax collector. It's kind of like this. When I was in junior high school, I was, I mean, I could have been. They never called and asked. But, I mean, I could have been a clear seal poster child. Okay. There was one young man, though, in my junior high school with worse acne than me. And I remember sitting in Leanne Morrell's Louisiana history class saying to myself, well, at least my acne isn't as bad as so-and-so's. Now, what's the problem with that? Both of us had the same issue didn't matter if I compared myself to him or someone else, but I chose the worst possible comparison to make myself feel better. You ever done that before? You ever said, oh, I'm in this predicament, but at least I'm not in this guy's predicament. Both the Pharisee and the tax collector, apart from faith and holy God, are condemned in their sin and because of their sin. And he has the unmitigated goal to say, I thank you that I'm not like these people. He's comparing himself, friends, to somebody in the exact same boat. It's like mixing oil and water. That doesn't work very well now, does it? To walk in pride is to be condemned. This man finds his value in what he does instead of his being. Because he finds it in what he does instead of his being, he looks down on other people. Well, I can do better. I can say better. I can be approved more quickly than you can. And I'm more well-respected than you are. He's strutting around like a peacock. Peacocks are actually very small birds, as one preacher pointed out. They throw those feathers up to scare away potential predators. But peacocks are small birds. Oh, God, that we would remember how small we actually are. Understand this, friends. We have a tendency to embrace pride, and God says it has no place in our lives. 
To walk in pride is to be condemned. To walk in pride is to not even be a thing for the Christian. Are you with me? If you're with me, say amen. Praise the Lord. Friend, listen. I need you to hear this. I remember the first time I ever read this parable. I was 18 or 19 years old. I was sitting in Cardiff, Wales, United Kingdom in my living room on a very uncomfortable couch. And I read this parable, and I said, Oh, God, I'm the Pharisee. I was so blinded by my sin, by the way, I called a mentor of mine. And I said, Now I know what you're going to say. Oh, Craig, you're not the Pharisee. (laughs) Isn't that exactly what a Pharisee would say about his own pride? Friend, if you find yourself wrestling with the sin of pride, which, by the way, the sin of pride is the root of all other sins, you need to pray and ask God the Holy Spirit to help you kill that sin. Pride has no place in our lives, yet we walk around as though pride is something to be championed and worn like a badge of honor, and it's not. This Pharisee walking around as a representative from the Lord doesn't understand that his pride is not only separating him from a holy God, it is pushing others away from a holy God. Walking in pride is to be condemned, but to walk in humility is to be justified. To walk in humility, dear friend, is to be justified. I love this of the tax collector. Listen to what it says. The tax collector standing far off. Let me show you the contrast real quick. The Pharisee stands at a very prominent place in the middle of the temple complex. He wants everybody to see him praying. And notice that the text says, and he's praying to himself, saying. All right, he might have been praying, but God wasn't listening. He's standing for everybody to see. The tax collector is standing far off. He's striking his chest, the Bible says, and he kept saying, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Do you notice the contrast between those two prayers? The Pharisee says, God, I thank you. I'm not like other people. And then he lists what he does. The tax collector stands and he says, God, oh, please, have mercy. The thing about this is this tax collector follows a very interesting pattern. He actually follows Psalm 51. Uh, Listen to this. So he doesn't offer a burnt offering. He's offering a broken heart. Uh, In Psalm 51.1, we read this, Be gracious to me, God, according to your faithful love, according to your abundant compassion, blot out my rebellion. David, after having been confronted with his sin, goes to God. And by the way, the Mosaic law offered no sacrificial provision for David to receive atonement for having went to bed with Bathsheba. 
So David goes and he says, God, according to your faithful love and compassion, blot out my transgression, blot out my rebellion. David goes and he appeals to God based on God's character. David went to the one whom he ultimately offended. And he says, be gracious according to your faithful love, according to your abundant compassion, and God, please blot out my rebellion. The tax collector does the same thing. He says, oh, God, he appeals to God's character. Listen to me, friend. When you go and you go to confess your sin and you say, oh, Lord God, you are invoking his character. He is a faithful and forgiving God. He is kind. He is slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love and patience. He is also a wrathful God, too. We cannot forget that. But God is willing to forgive us of our sins based on the shed blood of the Lord Jesus Christ at the cross. This tax collector is following a Psalm 51 thing, and then he's honest with himself. Do you know that God desires integrity within the inner self? God wants us to be honest with ourselves and with him. You can't go and confess God until you're, confess to God until you're willing to be honest with yourself about your situation. Listen to what David says. Psalm 51.6, surely you desire integrity in the inner self, and you teach me wisdom deep within. The tax collector is honest with himself and with God about his situation. I wonder today what you brought in here. Is it unconfessed sin? Is it worry? Is it a problem this week that you don't even know if it's actually going to be a problem? Did you have a very interesting time getting out the door this morning with your family? We've all had, we've all had those mornings. What is it that you bring in here and you need to say, God, I need your help? Is it your marriage? Is it your job? God desires integrity within the inner self. That means we have to be honest about who we are, our situations, in light of who holy God is. Friend, let me tell you something. Salvation begins with a confession of who Jesus Christ is. And when we confess who Jesus Christ is, we are by virtue of that very reality Jesus is Lord, we are saying, I am not, I am a sinner, and I need salvation. But he's not done. He then offers a humbled heart. Psalm 51, 16 to 17, you do not want a sacrifice or I would give it. You are not pleased with the burnt offering. The sacrifice pleasing to God is a broken spirit. For you, O God, will not despise a broken spirit and humbled heart. What is humility? My working definition of humility is that humility is recognizing that with God we are everything, but without him we are nothing. Without God we are nothing, but with him we're everything. We live in a very self-righteous society. iPhone, Instagram, Snapchat, 
selfie, look at me. The whole world says, look at yourself. Make it on your own. Build a name. Build a reputation for yourself. And God says, no. God says, build my kingdom. Don't seek your own fame. Seek the Lord's fame. Don't seek to build your resume. Seek to make him known. Humility is recognizing that without God, we're nothing, but with him, we're everything. Friend, when we walk around thinking, well, I've got my money, I've got my job, I've got my health, I've got all these things, God, I'm good, I will see you on Sunday morning at 1030. But Lord, at 1130, huh, I'm checking out. Friend, God will pull the rug right out from under your feet. And he will break you into a million pieces. And after you're humbled, God will say, okay, let's start remaking you. This, this tax collector comes and he says, God, I need you. I am a sinner. I'm dead in my trespasses and sin, God, and unless you make me right with you, there's nothing I can do. He certainly has no works to go on. My goodness, He's a thief. He's a traitor. We still talk about Benedict Arnold. Traitors go down in infamy. Thieves go down in infamy. You ever been stolen from? You'll never forget it. And here's the reality. When you have a lifestyle characterized by sin, you certainly have no good righteous works to appeal on. Oh, and by the way, if you do have any form of righteous works to appeal on, the Bible says those are as good as filthy rags. You have nothing apart from God. I have nothing apart from God. I have no righteousness apart from God. All the righteousness I have, all the love that I have experienced from God the Father himself comes only through the shed blood of Jesus Christ and having surrendered to his lordship. It's time we start living like it. It's time we start actually embracing humility instead of embracing pride. Do you struggle with pride? Confess it to the Lord. Let him know. It's not going to shock him. Say, Lord, I struggle with pride, and God, I want this dead in my life. Help me. God, make me humble. Do you know how God makes us humble? Pain. Confession. His word. When I was in high school, I knew, I knew I was a very prideful young man. And I knew I lacked compassion. I remember being in a small group one day and I said, y'all, I wanted it. I said, y'all, I am praying that God would make me humble and compassionate. Oh, my goodness. Had only I understood what that meant and how God makes humble people. But let me tell you something. I wouldn't trade it for anything in the world. This tax collector says, God, have mercy on me, a sinner, and listen to what Jesus says. I tell you, 
This one went down justified. This one went down justified instead of the other. That's the shocker for the audience. It was, it was bad enough having a tax collector and a Pharisee in the same parable, but now you're telling me that the tax collector, the swindler, the thief, the very one who's considered a traitor, he goes home justified but not the preacher? Do you see the shock value in what Jesus is saying? Again, Jesus is more concerned with our heart than our doing. Jesus is more concerned about us being in his presence and being molded and transformed by the indwelling Holy Spirit than he is about us doing for him in the kingdom. God doesn't need us, but God certainly does want us to get involved with his work. That's why he invites us along. Here's the other thing. Last, last point. To embrace humility is to embrace God himself. To embrace humility is to embrace God himself. The Pharisee in his pride blinded by it as much as he was, he says, God, I thank you, I'm not like other people. And he neglected the reality that he needed salvation. Oh, he was moral. He kept the law. But he didn't know he needed salvation. Living in the Bible Belt has many uh, enjoyments to it. Unfortunately, one of the negatives of living in the Bible Belt is that there's a lot of moral people who think that because they're moral, they're good. And Jesus says, all of your morality ain't nothing. Jesus is willing to make whosoever will righteous and loved and forgiven and redeemed. This Pharisee doesn't realize that he's in this predicament, but the tax collector believes he's too bad to be saved. I have talked with many students and many adults alike who have said, well, you know, Brother Craig, if only you knew what I have done even you would know I couldn't be saved. Well, I don't need to know. God already knows, and God has already offered to save you. The tax collector believes that he's too bad to be justified, but guess what? In his humility, he recognized that there was a problem. He recognized there was a chasm. He recognized that there was a separation between him and God, and he recognized that he couldn't fix it. And so he goes and he appeals to God. And in his humility, he ends up embracing God the Father. And it is through faith that we please God. It is through faith that we are justified. And Jesus says that he goes down justified. He goes down justified. Is there static between you and God? You pray, but you don't feel heard. You keep serving, but you say, God, what's the point of it? You come to church, and you're hoping that God himself will reveal himself to you and encourage you and tell you exactly what you think you need to hear, but he doesn't. 
Don't you think it's time you admit to him your absolute need and dependency upon him? Don't you think it's time you say, God, I don't understand. God, I don't know, but you do. And so, Lord, I'm going to come and I'm going to trust you. God, I'm going to surrender to you. God, I'm going to lay it all down. I'm going to stop fighting because, God, I'm tired. I'm beaten up. I'm broken. God, oh, please, God, have mercy on me. And he does. For three years, I've been going to Covington, Louisiana to get my hair cut. This is going somewhere, don't you worry. I've been going to Covington, Louisiana for three years to get my hair cut. Three years ago, I needed a haircut, but the woman that normally cut my hair couldn't see me for two weeks. She was so booked. And I was looking like a shaggy dog. I said, nope, we got to fix this. So I found this uh, place called FMD Salon in Covington. And I walked in. I said, I was told y'all do uh, walk-ins. They said, yes, uh, sit in this chair. Somebody will be right with you. And so I sat in that, uh, in that chair, and uh, real nice, you know, real bougie. And this lady comes up. She's got red hair, and she says, hi, I'm so-and-so. I'm going to cut your hair today. And I said, all right, now listen, with every day that passes, I lose more and more hair, so I'm very particular about my haircut. You have one chance to do it right if you want my business. I mean, it was a high-stakes haircut. So she begins to cut my hair, and it took her 45 minutes to cut my hair. 45 minutes and a lot of time to share Jesus. So I sat there, and I began to share Jesus with this lady. I have went back almost every time I've needed a haircut to keep sharing Jesus with her. Plus, I really like the work she does. So it's a win-win. It's a win-win even if she did a poor job and I kept going back to Sergi's with her. It's still a win. Yesterday, I'm sitting in the chair and uh, I said, yeah. I said, I'm preaching tomorrow. She said, really? I said, yeah. She said, what are you preaching on? I said, I'm preaching from the book of Luke, chapter 18. Jesus tells a story of two men who go in the temple to pray. One is a Pharisee, so he's a religious leader, and he really doesn't understand that he's got a problem with God because he's so blinded by sin and pride. The other is a tax collector, so he's a thief, he's a swindler, he's not looked well upon by society, and he does recognize he has a problem with God and that he's separated from God. And these two men go to the temple and they pray. The Pharisee, on one hand, prays to himself, and he says, God, I thank you, and he chooses the worst people in society to compare himself to. He's trying to make himself feel better. But the tax collector doesn't do that. The tax collector recognizes that he has a problem and that he needs Jesus. And it occurred to me in that moment that Luke 18 in this parable is actually a story of the gospel, as it all is. Jesus tells this parable, and when he does, he recognizes that half of his audience 
is receptive to what he's saying. All the sinners in the audience are excited. The, ta- uh, the religious leaders, not so much. And when he says that the tax collector goes home justified, can you imagine what it must have been like for all those sinners? You mean to tell me, Jesus, that God himself is willing to justify me if I call on him? And I said to this lady who's been cutting my hair now for three years, We're just going to name her Sally. I said, you know, Sally, that's the gospel. Whatever you've done, wherever you've been, whatever has characterized your life up until this very moment, the Lord Jesus himself is willing to say, you're forgiven. What can wash away my sins? What can make me whole again? Nothing can for sin atone. Nothing. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. So let me talk to two groups of people real quick. Christian, if you're in here, and I hope we've got some in here. I know we do. Praise the Lord. Okay, we've got one amen. I'm worried, but that's okay. Christian, Pride has no place in your life. It has no place in my life. And I promise you, I am on high alert this coming week because I just preached on pride and humility. So you better believe I'm on guard. But it has no place in our life. None. When we walk in humility, we walk understanding that all people are in need of grace. We extend it, we give it, and we love sacrificially. We love unconditionally. Because Jesus himself has done that for us. It doesn't mean that we just forget all the wrong that's been done to us, but it does mean we forgive it. It does mean that we seek to cancel that debt. If you're a Christian and you're walking in pride, friend, please stop. And if you're in here and you don't know Jesus, you've not surrendered to him yet, and you say, man, Brother Craig, if only you knew what all I have done I don't need to know. I don't want to know because I don't need to know. But Jesus does know. And he has died for all sin, past, present, and future. There is no sin too great, no sin too small. And by the way, all sin is sin. It cannot be redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. If you've never trusted Jesus, today is the day. Today is the day that you say, Lord Jesus, I surrender myself to you. I trust that your work at the cross is sufficient. Lord, I know you're speaking. And so, God, I choose to believe you this day. As our praise team comes, I'm going to pray for us. And I ask that you stand with me in these last few seconds. And as we go into this time of invitation, I encourage you to respond as God the Holy Spirit leads. Maybe he's leading you to come and pray at the altar. Go and pray at the altar. Maybe he's leading you to uh, come and uh, have somebody pray with you. Come and do that. Maybe he's leading you to join the church through a confession of faith or transfer of a letter or whatever it might be or to be baptized. Do that. Do as God the Holy Spirit leads. By the way, obedience 
is a sign of humility. So, Lord Jesus, we thank you for this day. God, God, I know. I know that, that I have not walked well in humility at all in my life. But God, through the power of your Holy Spirit, I certainly do try to be obedient because you empower me to do that, God. So I, I just try to stay dead to self. God, that's, that's it. I try to put myself on that altar and, and whenever I crawl off of it, God, I want to put myself back on it. And I'm sorry for the pride. God, and I pray that anybody in here who is following you but has wrestled with pride, God, whatever that looks like, however it has manifested itself, Lord, that they would come to the cross and they would say, God, I confess. And God, God, I say to you that I am not you. I am here on earth and you are in heaven. Your ways, God, are higher than my ways. Your thoughts are not my thoughts. So, God, I choose to follow you today against all feeling, feelings otherwise, against the draw of the flesh, God. I'm surrendering to you today to follow you both now and forevermore. And, God, for the one in here who has not trusted you, who has not surrendered, God, I pray they would do just that today. God, they would echo the cry of the tax collector and they would say, oh God, please atone for me, the sinner, because I can't do it myself. God, may we never, may none of us in here who are following you ever forget that moment where we recognized as the tax collector did that we need you. So God, I pray in this time that you would lead us as your Holy Spirit directs and that we would respond to that, to that leading and to you. Lord, we love you and we thank you and we thank you that the humble will inherit the earth. So Lord, make us humble. <laughs> 